So what are the peace chances in the Middle East? Frankly, dim. Dim so long as Iran views conflict as in its best interests. The three major disruptors of peace at this point are all armed, trained, and financed by Iran. That's Hamas in Gaza, Hezbollah in Lebanon, and the Houthis in Yemen. Were Iran to stop arming and financing these Shia militias, whether voluntarily or by outside force, their military capabilities would shrivel, as none of them has any significant domestic arms production absent Iranian assistance. Israel has offered a 60-day pause in Gaza in exchange for release of the hostages. Hamas rejects that offer and demands a permanent ceasefire. Of course, Israel views the terrorist attack of October 7th as a violation of what was, in essence, a ceasefire, and that no permanent ceasefire can take place as long as Hamas, who perpetrated the terrorist attack, is in control of Gaza. None of the Iranian-backed militias has the capability to conquer Israel, but they each have the capability, especially acting in concert, to make life miserable for Israelis. Let's remember that Iran and Iraq fought a two-decade war at the end of the 20th century, with Iraq supported by the U.S. Iran wants the focus of the Muslim world on Israel because should Israel and the dominant Sunni Muslim countries make peace. Shia-dominated Iran feels it would become once again subject to attack, and certainly far outnumbered by the Sunni Islam states. Iran has done nothing to endear itself to its Sunni neighbors, with its missile and drone attacks on Pakistan, Iraq, and its prominent role in the Syrian civil war, as well as its support of various Shia militias throughout the Middle East. Uh, particularly if you take a look at Lebanon and uh, Hezbollah. The Lebanon government has uh, virtually no control uh, nor influence over Hezbollah, which is dominated, uh, frankly, by Iran. Peace in the Middle East is also not in Russia's best interest, as it distracts the U.S. and Britain from Russia's ongoing invasion of Ukraine. It diverts U.S. military aid and economic aid to Israel, aid that otherwise would likely go to Ukraine. The ongoing squabbles in the U.S. Congress, with House Republicans refusing to agree to provide arms and economic assistance to Israel and Ukraine, likewise do nothing to aid Middle East and Eastern Europe peace. Were the U.S. to present a unified approach, the U.S. would be far more effective in dealing with the perpetrators of violence, that is, Iran and Russia. Another question. Are the rumors of peace negotiations being floated by Putin real? No. No, they're not. These rumors are a gambit by Putin to divide the West, especially the U.S., and to give him time to reconstitute his ground forces. They're also a delaying tactic to see what happens in the U.S. elections. Putin's greatest hope is that Trump receives the Republican nomination and is reelected. Second best hope for him is that the Republicans keep control of the House or retake control of the Senate, or both, any one of which bode ill for continued U.S. assistance to Ukraine. What Putin may be miscalculating here is that Europe, by and large, is unified against him. The Europeans are vastly stepping up their contributions to Ukraine, 
and rebuilding their military capacity. Russia has suffered devastating losses to its army, which will likely take decades to recover. However, we must remember that Russia has suffered devastating military losses in previous wars, the Napoleonic Wars, the Crimean War, the Russo-Japanese War, World War I, and World War II, often using these wars as learning experiences to rejuvenate its military. The Russian Empire has ebbed and flowed over the centuries. The current war is just the latest iteration of this centuries-old pattern. European leaders and Putin understand this. The U.S. does not, with the U.S. divided between internationalists and isolationists. We learned the danger of isolationism in World War II, but the intervening years and the loss of the greatest generation have caused many in the U.S. to forget those lessons. Each of these conflicts are generational conflicts, not conflicts that fit into short-term news cycles, nor U.S. fiscal years, nor U.S. election cycles. Like it or not, we're not Switzerland, or we could remain neutral and sell Rolexes to anyone with the money. We're an international power with international responsibilities. This is Bill Lanyard with Reflections from the River. You can reach me at www.billenyard.com. That's www.billenyard.com. Audio production by Tom Calhoun. He's at www.paguytom.com. www.paguytom.com. Thanks for listening.